0: history happened everywhere a random place a random time and a topic pulled from the hat the challenge find the fascinating uncover the unexpected and share the stories you're listening to history happened everywhere Hello and welcome to History Happened Everywhere. My name is Brian Weir and I am here in the studio as always with the quiver to my bow. It's Mr. Peter Goddard.
1: Uh, I've always longed to make you quiver. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, is that know what you meant? <laughs> That's not at all what I meant. Uh, now I'm slightly disturbed. Uh, quite right, too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, Pete, uh, last week, the Dersolator randomly selected for you light in Slovenia during the 1970s. So how's
1: that worked out for you? Well, I thought it was going to be really easy and there'd be a really huge story about a laser light show that took place or something like that. And Mm. it wasn't actually that straightforward. So what I ended up finding was lots of stuff, but lots of kind of diverse things. So I'm going to be sharing a lot of different stories with you today going to discover some Slovenian food. We're going to have a little bit of drink by the bonfire. We're going to learn about communist industrial design. Wait, communist industrial design? And then you're always going on about wanting to know more. I'm clapping my head. <laughs> and of course, we'll be catching the super
0: sounds of the Slovenian 70s. <laughs> well, I'm excited. Why don't we get started and tell me a little bit about
1: Slovenia? All right, I will do. Here we go. Hello, welcome to Slovenia. We're in Central Europe. Uh, you are aware of, I'm sure, of Italy. I call it the pizza place. The pizza place with the boot shaped nation poking down into the Mediterranean. Yes. Uh, if you go to the very north of Italy okay. and take a turn to the right, you right. will be in Slovenia immediately. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, it is, in our heads, Eastern Europe, but it's very much the beginning of Eastern Europe. Well, it's got Austria to the north, Hungary to the northeast. Um, it's so consequently, it's another one of those kind of slightly crossroads y countries, which means that they have in their history a lot of back and forth between various. Okay. Is it a very big country? It's a small country actually, I would say. It's about twenty thousand square kilometres, so that's less than four percent of a France. Whoa, that's tiny. It is tiny. Its population is only two point one million. That's not very much at all. No, London is, I think, about 10 million. So that's a fifth of London. That's crazy. Now, one of the interesting things about it is quite small, but it's also, in the, the matter of coastline, particularly small. It's only got 47 kilometres of coast. I mean, I didn't know it even had coast, so that's more than I was expecting. It's a bit like, do you remember last time we were talking about Benin and it had the neighbouring country Togo had... That they hadn't, l- but actually had <laughs> stolen a exactly. lot of prime beach real estate. Exactly. Well, something relatively similar happened here when the Italy has a... a a bit of Italy that pokes out into what, had you drawn a relatively straight line, yeah. would have been Slovenia. Yeah, but it's Italy. Let them have it. They Well, culturally, they're very similar in that part of the world and obviously in these border areas. What's really the difference, Italy, Slovenia, between friends, eh? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just laughs> ask that sure. question sure. at 1945 <laughs> and you'll get a very different answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Its capital city is Ljubljana. That's the one that's spelt with lots of L's and lots of J's. Yes, J's and L's all over the shop. Mm. Uh, as a nation, it's about 70% Catholic. Okay. It's national anthem. Mm. I'm not going to play. Well, I insist. Uh, not right now, my friend. You I love will the get national some, anthem. I will give you some anthem treats later. Pete, yeah, please, please. <laughs> for very good reasons, I will only be showing that later on in the show. Fine. Flag-wise, they've got a white, blue, and red horizontal stripes on that their Sounds flag Serbian-esque. Yeah, it's a lot of classic Slavic colours. Actually, a lot of okay. the area has. You'll see flags of the our entire region having very similar colours in the kind of the same shades as well. They have also have a little. Um, shield of the coat of arms of Slovenia on their flag pimped it up pimped it up a little bit. It's a developed economy. It's got some tourism, including gambling tourism. No way. Yeah, Slovenia has the highest percentage of casinos per thousand inhabitants in the European Union. That's a lot of casinos. It's a lot of casinos. Uh, and that's one of the reasons people go there. But it's also good for skiing, I'm sure you know. Wow. a keen man on the slopes, as you are. Yeah, that's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing lots of mountains. Yeah, it's a mountainous country. There's uh, the, the Alps in the north. Okay. And then as you come down, it's still pretty hilly. It's a uh, Hilly, hilly old nation, very forested as well, which is uh, going to be relevant later. Right. Uh, Skiing-wise, uh, with 2017, it was found to be one of the cheapest skiing locations in Europe, so that's nice. And, depending how bold... Are you a good skier? No, I've never been skiing. Well, I think the first thing you should try is have a go on the world's largest ski jump, which is the site of sixty world record jumps. So I think that would be a good introduction to skiing. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do I get a very
0: sexy, slender lycra fitting suit? You do. You can be absolutely head to toe in lycra. How about I
1: just have that? You just want the suit yeah, to lounge around in our yeah. home. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to see that. If maybe if you could wear it as an underlayer, I'd accept it. Okay, well. Uh, the other thing in tourism, though, there's in 2017 National Geographic Travelers Magazine declared Slovenia the country with the most sustainable tourism. Oh, was all the casinos, right? Yeah, and it's quite an ecologically friendly country. It's got tons and tons of forest. It's got about half of the country is forested. It's the third most forested country in Europe, actually. Wait, half of the country is forested? Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of trees. Well, it's more than half. In actual fact, and the, the only two countries in Europe as a percentage right. are Finland and Sweden. So you have to go fully Scando to get better than Slovenia. Are Slovenians very small Ewok type people? <laughs> <laughs> not to my knowledge, but I couldn't promise. No, it's possible. I haven't. I haven't met them all. Nub nub sounds a little bit like Lobjiana. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to declare Slovenes not to be Ewoks at this point. <laughs> But uh, if that's what you like, know, in fact, actually, no, I can prove they're not Ewoks. They're very smart people. Slovenia's education is the 12th best in the world, fourth best in the European Union. Union. That's amazing. Famous Slovenes, this education is obviously working quite well, because uh, the most famous Slovene in the list that I looked at was yep. a philosopher, in fact, a chap called Slavoj Zizek. Okay, what did he say? He said, blooming hell, it's complex, isn't it? Life... <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is profound. No wonder he's famous. Yeah, I mean, I'm paraphrasing somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet that's on mugs and T-shirts all over it's, the place. It's his signature thought. <laughs> Gosh, it's complex. Uh, I can give you an actor uh, who was on a show called Damages. He was an Emmy Award winning actor called Zeljko Ivanek. Okay. I can give you a whole City footballer. Don't know any of these, by the no, way. No, I didn't either. I can give you one you will have heard of. Though. Yep, go on. Uh, Melania Knavs. Well, the only Melania I know is... the trump melania nay knavs in this case yes she is a slovenian uh, now a naturalized american citizen so sure i will not declare her slovenian i'll allow the slovenian people to decide whether she counts or not political <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, brief slovenia facts okay in 2019 slovenia was number four in wine consumption per capita right That's a lot of wine. It's a lot of wine. Number four, I'm curious as to who one, two, and three are. There's a vineyard for every 70 people. Wait. What? Is that by law? Uh, no, I don't think you allocated if you right, okay. get the average number. Because <laughs> otherwise, no wonder you're drinking so much. <laughs> so you've got an allocation that you have to get to every year. <laughs> it's not like by postcode, That then. would be amazing. Your Vinlart has had a good year. Please accept these bottles. <laughs> uh, there's also more than 10,000 caves in Slovenia. Wow! Which I'm assuming is
0: where they put all the wine. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a whole bunch of hidden stuff in those caves, isn't there? 10,000. Do they have bears? Are there bears living in the caves? Well, let me tell you about
1: cave bears. So, yes, as you say, cave bears. So, Slovenian history, we're going to start. When are we going to start? Uh, Well, I mean, we always start with early man. We're going to go before early man to Neanderthal man. No way! Free man, if you will. Uh, They had Neanderthals in the area. They found also uh, the thing called the Divja Babi Flute, the oldest known musical instrument in the world, and it's made out of a cave bear femur. That's so cool.
0: Yeah, Can, I mean, have they played
1: it? Uh, no, it's got. It's not entirely beautifully intact. It's got some damage, oh. some light damage to the surface. Wouldn't you want to hear what a cave bear leg sounded like? I kind of would. Uh, I suspect it's um, one of those things where you think I could like to listen to some tunes. Do I want to kill a cave bear for it? My guess is that Neanderthals
0: sat around blowing the marrow out of a bone, and one of the bones had a little hole in it, and it made a little. Woo-woo
1: noise. He thought, I can do something with this.
0: (laughs) Added another little hole, eventually. And you could hear the bear coming because of the noise
1: it made as it walked. (laughs) (laughs) On a windy day. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Cabin Club. We are Uggen and Neanderthals and this is the band. On the stretched Orox Hide, it's the one and only Grug. And on the badger ribs, it's Gurg. Looking good, Gurg. On the bag of snakes, we have, ooh. oh yeah, nice. Next up, on the strangely twangy bit of vine we found by the lake, it's Mrs. Ugg. On vocals, it's these little terrors. You know them as well as I do, the tribe's kids. On the bear femur, it's Uggro. And on the horns of that animal we ate last night, it's Iggro. Ooh, real smooth. And on the other horn. Who could this be? It's only his little brother, Ogrog. Play it loud, boys. And finally, on the pile of hollow logs, introducing... Ugh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's the band. Now let's all have a very groovy stone Right, so after Neanderthal, we do have early man, the early Bronze Age. Uh, we have what is known as the Urnfield culture in the area. The Urnfield? That Urnfield. sounds like an Englishman. It Urnfield! <laughs> bring me my tea! <laughs> it does, but it is in fact a culture, and they're called the Urnfield because they would burn their dead, apparently, put them in an urn. And, and put it in a field? Yeah, put it in a field. <laughs> <laughs> no way! So yeah, I don't think the archaeologists were really stretching when they came up with that name, but yes, right. that's what they did. Uh, then we get to the first century BC, and the Romans arrived. Of course. They conquered the area and established as provinces called Pannonia and Noricum. If there's one thing I've learned from history, it's the Romans were pretty good at doing conquering. They did a lot of arriving and then going, yep, this is us. Then we had the barbarian invasions, when during which the barbarians... Barbered? No, they, they, they invaded. They, <laughs> but they may have also cut, cut hair, I don't know. Then we have Slavic tribes starting to arrive. It is a Slavic area at the moment. 800 or so, it becomes part of the Carolingian Empire, that's the Frankish Empire. Who? Carolingian, it's. Based out of France, basically. Okay. The Hungarian invasion in the late 9th century, and then in the 14th century, most of the area becomes part of the Habsburg Empire. Okay. We have encountered before a very long-lasting Austro-Hungarian Empire. Just taking you a step back, you said that the Hungarians did uh, some invading there. It's
0: not often you hear about Hungarians invading. I always think of them as being the ones to be fairly invaded. Well, I think
1: in that part of the world, everyone gets a go eventually. You just <laughs> pass the stick, and yeah. it's your go. When you, when when the conditions are just right, you get to have a go right. at all your and because you've got hundreds of years of them having to go at you, there's all these deep-seated resentments Waiting up. Waiting to go. <laughs> all right. So they soldier on as part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire until World War One, and then they soldier on some more as soldiers, literally. They lose, of course, the uh, First World War. Yeah, they're on the wrong side of history there. Exactly. So after the war, Slovenia declared itself an independent nation. It joined together with Montenegro, Serbia, and Croatia to form a new nation called the Kingdom of the Serbs, Croats, and Slovenes. The SCS. Yeah, the KSCS. KSCS. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not a brilliant brand name. But it's not great. Uh, arguably, that could be why in 1929 they decided to change the name to Yugoslavia. I've heard of that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, famous for the little car. The Yugo. (laughs) The Yugo. Do you remember the Yugo? I do remember the Yugo. (laughs) So Yugoslavia bottles along until World War II starts, the sequel, if you will. They were invaded and divided up by Germany, Italy, and Hungary when the Axis powers were roaming around the map, taking hold of everything. Sure. And the Slovenes fought back. And this is quite important. They conducted a guerrilla war against the Axis powers with an army of partisans. I've heard the word partisan being used generally, but specifically they were Yugoslavian communist rebels, essentially. And they were led by someone called Marshal Tito. Okay. So when in 1945 the tables turn and the Allies win and the Germans and Italians and Hungarians are all sent home, Marshal Tito becomes the president of Yugoslavia. Okay, so he just sort of steps into that void, does he? Exactly. Him him and his partisans go, yay, we've liberated our country, Mm -hmm. and they become a communist nation. Right, okay. So not to do with Russia then? A a lot of what we're going to talk about today is how Yugoslavia was a communist country, but it was really quite different to what we think of when you think of the classic Soviet Russian communism. And part of the reason for that is they started kind of, if you will, natively communist. The partisans were communist, Tito was a communist. They weren't declared communist by Soviet troops rolling in with tanks and going, you're part of the Eastern Bloc now. Oh, right, okay. And in fact, Tito would stand up to Stalin in a way that you don't really see in most of the other countries. That sounds foolish. Yes, Notoriously no, he, grumpy man. He was a grumpy man, yes. In fact, uh, their spat broke out into an exchange of mean letters. Well, no dear 19- sir. <laughs> This was in 1948, where they uh, initially characterised it as a difference in policy opinion, but it uh, soon becomes quite the bicker between Mm. these two communist leaders. It was related to the way in which Tito wanted to expand Yugoslavia's influence, and Stalin didn't want to do it. Uh, He also wanted to get involved in what was going on in Greece at that time, and Stalin wanted to stay out of it. But Yugoslavia was in this weird position where it was part of the Eastern Bloc, but it was also quite open to Europe, It had relations with the West. Are you aware of Churchill's speech from Stettin in the Baltic to Trieste in the Adriatic, an Iron Curtain has descended across the continent. No, what does it sound like? Uh, it goes... From
0: Stettin in the Baltic to Trieste in the Adriatic, an Iron Curtain has descended across the
1: continent. So uh, Trieste in the Adriatic is just over the Slovenian border. So he's literally talking about the dividing line that, that, of which Slovenia is just on one side. Because, I mean, it's a tiny country, right? It's amazing well, that it even Slovenia survives- was much bigger oh of course so we're talking right. about yugoslavia. it has croatia it's got montenegro it's got all these other areas uh, other countries in the area so yeah they're much more significant at that point but then you know we think of the cold war as east versus west right uh, we do russians and americans pretty much but actually in 1961 in belgrade which was yugoslavia is now serbia tito and some other national heads established what they called the non-aligned movement and this was a group of countries that wanted to not be associated with east or west they wanted to be non-aligned and that was what that was all about what south just other i think <laughs> just and just count us out really <laughs> oh, okay. on the sidelines rather than being in the thick of it
0: we just want to be communist and just be left
1: alone well pretty much so what ended up happening is yugoslavia is kind of it's and in slovenia particularly in yugoslavia it was kind of a richer area more liberal probably and it's it's a communist country but it doesn't behave in really a lot of the ways that we would expect to see a communist country and we'll see how this plays out particularly in the 70s because then what happens in our period is the kind of decline of communism in this region so the 70s and the 80s the the nations within Yugoslavia are pushing for further independence. Uh, 91, we know the Soviet Union falls apart, but so does Yugoslavia at exactly the same time, not exactly at the, in the same year. So Slovenia eventually declares its own independence from Yugoslavia on June 25th, 1991 and becomes its own country and sort of drifts its interests back into the sort of the Western side of things because it joins the EU and NATO in 2004.
0: So can I ask you a question then? So if it's part of Yugoslavia and Tito's in charge of Yugoslavia, who's in charge
1: of Slovenia to say we don't want to be part of this anymore. So each nation would have its own regional government. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about how, well, I'll tell you now that in 1974, they had a constitutional change. And that said, basically devolved a lot more power to the regional, and in this case, regional meaning what we now know as countries, Slovenia, Croatia, to manage their own affairs. So a lot more like an American federal system. Where oh, I see. Regions making their own laws to some extent, and then a central nation. But actually the direction of travel there was that it was this, it started by, Regionalizing, and then they all became their own countries and the whole country fell apart so it'd be
0: like Minnesota saying we don't want to do this anymore we'll we'll just be our own country we're going to be our
1: own thing yeah wow okay and that's part of the story that we'll see this gradual movement from centralized communist state control to more regional independent individual individualism in in a variety of different ways
0: it's a bold move isn't it i suppose they could see that the fall was coming and they weren't going to get like reprisals or be attacked for saying we declare our independence
1: yeah i think things were changing in general and in 1980 was when marshal tito actually died so he was in charge from the end of world war ii to 1980 and i think that probably made quite a big difference as well i think he was holding it together <laughs> quite yeah. a lot that's a long time to be in charge and that shapes a lot of generations and one of those post-war common installations i think that was a quite a common feature wasn't it mm. so that's slovenia are you oriented you feel you've got a rough idea of where we're at
0: i am that's given us the history it's given us a little bit about slovenia i guess i'm just wondering about light where, how's that fitting in? Well, let me shed some light on that matter. Yeah, good. Uh-huh.
1: What can I say about light? Well, it became quickly apparent as I started this that light is one of those words that's got many meanings literal, yeah. light as opposed to heavy, light as opposed to dark. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, but also metaphorical. Trip the light, fantastic. Light ale. Neon light. Yes, there are neon lights. Light mayo. Light, yes. Yeah. Is this? Is, uh, do you need to get this out of your system? I'm thinking <laughs> of more. I'm trying to think of more. Uh, electric light, light relief, trip the light fantastic, light the way, light a match, lighter than air, light ale, light of my life anymore. Light.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, light a match? Did you say that? I've one? done that yet.
1: Okay. Damn it. Never mind. I, well, get, listen, I get the idea. Let's just start. I will light the blue touch paper, and we'll shed some light on the transition of Damn a it. nation. I'm what? sure I can think of one. <laughs> Look, it'll be fine. And the good news is, it's going to be pretty light. Right. Before we do start, there's a lot to cover, and you're going to need your energy. So how would you like a light snack? Oh, that's good, because that's light. That's light again, yes. Is it a Slovenian snack? Uh, it is indeed. So you know we like to sample the foods and drinks of a country that we we're do. looking at. Uh, so I, <laughs> I tried to look up light meals available I- with a Slovenian provenance. That right, makes sense. I uh, found a couple of things. Firstly, sausage crange style from the upper Carniola region. Right. Fine. That is pork with hard bacon, salt, pepper, and garlic, which you can have with sauerkraut or sour turnip. Yeah, that sounds heavy. That, does that doesn't sound light at at all. Okay. How about an idziczki zlikrofi? Well, I mean, it sounds nice, doesn't it? It's a stuffed dumpling. It's noodle dough filled with potato stuffing. <laughs> <laughs> it's for men who work in in a mine. Right. Yeah. Again, not very light. <laughs> no. No, that's not light, is it? Okay. So. You, you'll be hard pressed to find light food foodstuffs in Slovenian <laughs> cooking because it tended to be for people working in the fields all day long. So yep. it's hardy working folk food. Right. So the lightest dish is zganci. Okay. And what's that? Well, that is flour right. cooked in water. And? No, nope, that's it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, flour in water? So I'll give you the Isn't recipe. That I'll, gi- I'll
1: give you the recipe real quick. You boil some salted water and throw in the flour, cook for 15 minutes, drain and season just to lighten it up a bit with some lard. Lard. Seasoned with lard. (laughs) Flour, water and lard. There you go. Uh, (laughs) For those that don't
0: know, lard is fat, right? Fat. That's... uh, Pure
1: fat. Yes. It's a side dish that's meant to replace potatoes and pasta, and you eat it with your sausage and your sauerkraut. Okay. Light. Light, yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound
0: terrible. I mean, it does sound terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But It certainly doesn't sound
1: light in any event. But I thought Ewoks only ate berries. Well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not Ewoks, right? <Ryan. laughs> We're gonna have calls from the Slovenians. We are not Ewoks <laughs> So the Bled Cream Cake, Bled being a location in Slovenia. Lake Bled, it's a leading tourist destination. In fact, and it's just the most picture postcard place you can imagine. These beautiful Alps in the background, mm. this lovely lake. There's a little island on the lake oh. with a church that looks a bit like a fairy tale castle on the the island.
0: I felt my shoulders relax just as you were describing. That
1: Honestly, one. it was so beautiful. It was ridiculous. With a name like Lake Bled, though, you'd expect it to be red. Yeah, no, that was uh, an unfortunate name in terms of uh, the English mm. version of the word. Yeah, uh, but the cake ain't bad either. Let me tell you. Okay, they, apparently there's, there are a number of sort of. Similar Similar Balkan cakes to this, but this one was specifically created by a guy called Istvan Lukaczevitz. So he was the manager of the Park Hotel Patisserie in Bled. Nice. So he invented this in 1953, this very specific version of this cake. And it's puff pastry and then an egg custard, then a nice light whipped cream. Okay. And then on either end, puff pastry on the top and the bottom. A little bit like a vanilla slice, I would say. And it's got a protected designation of origin status. So it means you can only buy it from Patisseries at Lake Bled. Okay. And Croydon. <laughs> okay, it's not official, the That's Croydon. That's not one, official, but, is it? Uh, let me tell you, I, I had a go at making this. Now, caveat, I did give yeah. it a Ago, but I did co-opt my mother to help me Ah, oh, that's so, great so me and mum had a go at this <laughs> uh, and now I'm gonna go get it and uh, we'll see how you enjoy it. all right I'm looking forward to it So here we go. I've got to be honest with you. I expected to be unveiling really a puddle of cream or something disastrously wrong, but I'm relatively pleased with how this has come out. Okay, well, let's open it up. I'm looking
0: at a brown paper package at the moment. Yes, so...
1: Oh, oh, look at that. Here we have it. There's supposed to be uh, square nice sharp sides yeah with clear layer of sort of white cream on the top and the yellow right. egg custard underneath but uh i think the proof of this is going to be in the tasting right, i'm going for it it was, it was super complicated to make i had to sift things and blend things and merge things and sift things and blend things yeah it did not play to my skills but uh, i think we've done okay here
0: okay so got a good bit of all four layers here all right here we go here we go i'm excited Peter, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to have another mouthful.
1: <laughs> oh, I see. Well, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. There's also um, a bit of rum in there. It's rum. vanilla.
0: Well, all of the photos will be available on our uh, website, hhepodcast.com. And I am
1: devouring this slice. Yeah, he's gone right. This light it? bite has gone. I don't think I'll get a job in Lake Bled anytime soon. No. So. Well, I would bite. I'd pay for that. Wow. Genuinely. We're in business.
0: I mean, a couple of pennies. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really good. Really delicious, beat
1: The short staccato part of the tune can be achieved by blocking the blowhole with your tongue.
0: So um you know how um I'm I was going on that journey last weekend? <laughs> <laughs> well, my neighbor came round and gave me a light bulb, I said, Take this with you. I
1: said, No, I travel light. <laughs> Anyway, before we begin, I owe a debt of gratitude to a fellow I came across through sharing my questions on Reddit. Oh, okay. Uh, they, they, they firstly answered a bunch of questions and gave me a bunch of ideas for things to look at. Well, that was good of them. Uh, and then they said, I uh, would you like some more help? And I said, I very much would like some more help. <laughs> uh, so I have to say, Greg Orr from Reddit, massive thank you. Huge amount of input. He did loads of research for me. Yeah. Uh, he also is a Slovenian. Uh, I hope he's Slovenian, otherwise yeah. I've been very misled. He's uh, <laughs> a primary source because he would talk, talk about things he remembered no as well way. so we've got some original research if you will uh, and yeah gregor from reddit absolutely amazing my hat is tipped off to you you did such a good job and, and made this so much easier for me and you hugely lightened my load that's another good one <laughs> hey
0: did you warn him that his work will be graded by dursley he is aware
1: of dursley in fact so um
0: prepare for an e gregor
1: Okay, so let's get this party started with parties. We can talk about bonfire parties, bonfires being the provider of light in this case. Throughout the seventies, there was there's an old tradition, but it was also popular during the seventies. Was the traditional May Day bonfire, uh, and they'd have this in every major town and village and on the hills. And uh, May Day is, I think, almost globally a workers' holiday. Right. Yeah. So in a communist nation, May Day is particularly a kind of a celebration time. And obviously, May Day goes back way, way, way longer than communism, but mm. uh, it, it somehow transformed more recently into a kind of a workers' holiday. And the newspaper Dello in 1978 reported already on the eve of the holiday, thousands of working people and young people gathered at bonfires which burned on countless hills and in song and dance celebrated prayers, which in a unique way expresses the humanity and solidarity of the working class. Wow. That's fascinating right? Uh, but Once a year doesn't seem like enough to have a party. But good news, we're still going to have more parties. But here's a local oddity that I found really interesting, which is that they have firefighters in their party scene.
0: Well, that makes sense. You can have loads of bonfires raging. You need some people hanging around to put them out. Much
1: more specific than that. So here's the story. This is what Gregor told me. Obviously, in history, you had rural Slovenes living in their villages and less built-up areas. And in those areas, there's not tons of opportunities for socialising. Okay. So what would become the sort of default mode for getting together as a community was the church. So Sundays, everyone would get together and everyone would wear their Sunday best. And that would be not just a religious event, but a social event as well. Right. In the film Star
0: Wars Episode 6. <laughs> Is this Ewok based? <laughs> <laughs> the Ewoks got together over a bonfire where they were going to cook Han Solo. If you remember. <laughs> on a spit. It's a I'm question. just saying.
1: <laughs> These are not Ewoks. <laughs> Oh, dear. So, yeah, look, the church has become the sort of local community centre, almost. Uh, But then communism comes over, and communism famously is not keen on the church. Uh, You know, the opium of the masses, as the saying went. Uh, And so religion became pretty much forbidden... So what happened in Slovenia is the church as a centre of rural socialising gets replaced by local volunteer fire department. Okay, makes sense. So basically every town and village basically has a volunteer fire department and they've got a truck, they've got a firehouse, they've got radios and they fight fires. But mostly they organise fire parties. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Wait, what? They uh, organise fire parties? Yeah, they, they put on these, they sound like almost small scale outdoor festivals.
0: That's like policemen organising, like, a bank job.
1: Yes, they're only called fire party parties after firemen themselves. They don't set fire to everything. They, okay. They're called the Gasilec Vizelica, which is a fireman party, Okay, fireman festival. Uh, and an invitation, this is some text from an invitation, we will dance, eat, drink, whatever we say, we will rejoice in front of the new fire station, and food and drink will be provided. I love that bit at the end. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. great. As many dumplings, sausages and fat as you need. Yeah, and it sounds like they, they have bands, local bands perform. They might have uh, comedians. They might have someone just putting on, yeah, you know, put on a local show, local talent kind of thing. I love it. That's great. Yeah, it sounds amazing, doesn't it? So, yeah, that's uh, just a weird thing that they have firemen parties because the church came out, the fire people came in. And people want to get together one way or another. You can't stop fun. <sighs> Oh, are you alright, love? Yeah, I'm fine. Did
0: did something happen at work? I don't know. I I was just... I'm just not sure I can do this anymore.
1: But being a volunteer firefighter is all you've ever wanted. But the
0: things I have to do, love. The horrors I've seen. Just today, I had to put out a raging argument between two bachelorette parties... They were fighting for the time on the dance floor. Oh no. Oh yes, flaming sambuca everywhere. Oh, I'll never forget the smell as long as I live. Oh, poor you. And the sounds. Oh, the sounds, they still ring in my ear at night, love. I can't sleep. Umcha, 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 umcha.
1: Perhaps you're right. Maybe it's time to give up the firefighting.
0: But I am a firefighter, love. God damn it, I have an obligation. If I don't put my hands in the air like I just don't care, well then who will?
1: Oh, my love, but you don't have to.
0: I don't have a choice. I have to do this. The long nights and the drinking and the dancing. I'm a fireman and I will do what a fireman must.
1: All right, well, let's just just forget about it and just, just go for a nice dinner, shall we?
0: What, at the restaurant? Oh no, that
1: burned down last night. So, at a party, what are you going to do, Ryan? Er, uh, dance dance yes what else are you going to do uh sing sing and what else are you going to do i'm going
0: to engage the company of a lady (laughs) (laughs)
1: oh my good lord i recommend you do this instead drink wine ryan you're going to drink wine
0: (laughs) yes that's before
1: the next step (laughs) (laughs) your courage that you need (laughs) so yes uh how about a glass of light white wine ryan
0: yeah i mean i prefer red but
1: sure well Too bad, because red is not light and does not fit into the theme. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. But we've discussed the Slovenian of a wine, and so I've brought along a little bit of light Slovenian Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, fantastic. Cake and wine. um, So I asked the guy in the shop, I said, would you describe this as a light wine? And he said well, I wouldn't. I said, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm hearing dec- is yes. <laughs> I shall decide whether or not this is a light wine with my good friend, Ryan, <laughs> We're sampling the delights of it. So should we have a little now? Nice. So this is a Slovenian wine. It is. Yes. Okay. So this is
0: Krasno, a Sauvignon Blanc, a Ribola Gialla from Slovenia. The back label says this vibrant Sauvignon Blanc shows delicate hints of yellow peppers. Elder flowers and golden, delicious apples. Oh, the lightest of all the fruit. Yeah, it's got good acidity, dry taste, and a soft elephant finish. Elegant finish. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect with pasta, salads, fish, and light cheese.
1: There you go. There, got it in at the it. end. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's have a go at this. All right, let's we? do it. Shall I open it up? Yeah. I'll... All
0: right. Okay, here we go. He is pouring the wine as we speak. It's got a kind of corn golden hue to it. I'm good at describing wine.
1: You're really talented.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It has a very pleasant odour. Ooh, sweet to the taste. It's got a brackish hue. (laughs)
1: Brackish. You're just making up words at this point. Yep. So um, here's the thing. While we're drinking, before we drink... (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> yep before we drink <laughs> uh we should drink this with a national anthem <gasps> yeah finally so uh the slovenian national anthem is called a toast so Probably. what we're going to do we're going to listen to the national anthem it's uh the lyrics are taken from zdrovlica which is a poem by the romantic slovene poet from the 19th century Franse placerin okay and uh, i will read the lyrics A translation of the lyrics, obviously, over the tune. And then at the end, we shall have a toast. Oh, wonderful. That's very cool. Okay. Okay. Here we go. God's blessing on all nations who long and work for that bright day when over Earth's habitations. No war, no strife shall hold its sway. Who long to see that all men free shall no more foes but neighbours be. Wonderful.
0: A toast. A toast. What do we say in Slovenian? Oh, I don't know. Toast? Yup, yup.
1: Oh, my lord. Here we go. Delicious stuff huh so wine in Slovenia actually has a really long tradition it goes back before even the romans uh they actually were making wine in the celtic era before the romans arrived which is relatively unusual but i suppose they're quite close to italy so you can see how that might have happened straightforward
0: making booze though wasn't it back in the day you know fermented fruit on the floor that's rotting you just drink some of that
1: isn't that boost? <laughs> I mean, that is fundamental, yes, I yeah. suppose it is. But I think there's probably uh, some processing that are undertaken. Oh, okay. So there's three main wine regions in Slovenia. Podravska in the northeast, Pozavska in the east, and Primorska. They all sound very <laughs> similar, Pete. Uh, that last one is the most developed one and uh, it includes the area that this one is from oh nice and this Burda area is right uh, overlapping with uh, the Collio region of Italy to the extent that they're actually from a wine person's perspective the same place they're okay. geographically the same climate is the same just they've been cut by the, the national border apparently a, a guy who owns the Movia winery said basically everything the grapes the regions the town has two names a Slovenian name and an Italian name because they're, yeah. they're just the same place but they happen to be one of those border places that has kind of dual identity. Identity. I love that stuff,
0: where you can just sort of cross the border, have lunch in Italy, return home for your evening meal back in Slovenia.
1: And a nice glass of wine. So nowadays there's lots of little and medium-sized vineyards selling decent wine, but in the 70s it was a little bit different. And this is kind of the beginning of me trying to tell this story of how the changes in Yugoslavia and uh, took us from centralised to regional, from monolithic to individualised. Okay. And what happened was it started out in state ownership prior to World War II. There were, prior to World War II, there were people who owned vineyards, but communism, not a fan of private ownership, so yeah. you know, they developed these state-owned vineyards, and that meant centralisation and collectivisation. And Gregor, Gregor put it very nicely. He said, in socialism, there were two wines. There was the red wine and there was the white wine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that does also reflect my wine tastes when I'm in a restaurant. <laughs> Do you have white, white? <laughs> oh, thank goodness. So, yeah, they, they did do some export and they did try and improve their output. And in 1967, the Business Association for Viticulture and Enology of Slovenia was created. Okay. And this was an attempt to develop the wine industry, I guess, for export. And it's not a huge tell, but in 1971, there was a Vipava Agricultural Combine founded, which I think is a kind of a, a local organisation where instead of trying the, the, the nation state trying to solve the problems of the wine industry. This was a kind of regionalized, still a combine, still a collective unit, not a lot of private industry, but they kind of devolved this problem solving to the... The people who know about the it. The combines, yeah. And that's a kind of a micro version of what's happening in general in Yugoslavia. Big central state becoming more regional individual. And is this because they want to make money? The one, foreign currency, particularly because that was uh, of great value, obviously economically, and doesn't sound
0: very communist. That's all.
1: Well, no, and that's what what we're going to discover is that this is this communist. This is a very non-communist communist nation right, okay. in a lot of ways. Um, you think of <laughs> we're going to talk about industrial design in a minute, but uh, when you think of the sort of monolithic pragmatism and plainness, if you like, of what we think of when we think of communism, yeah, the Yugoslavian story is really quite different. Okay. So just in general, in the 70s, Yugoslavia, we've established that they had American aid sent to them. So they had sort of openness to the West. Tito has had his row with Stalin, so he's not quite in the, the communist fold in the typical way. So they were never quite this Soviet communist bloc that we think of and as i mentioned in 1974 the constitution changed so regional which are now national to so slovenia was a nation became more powerful in terms of their ability to manage themselves and it became a, the constitution says it's a state based on the sovereignty of nations meaning slovenia Croatia, serbia those different nation states the authority and self-management of working people and all workers so it's less of a country and it's starting to become a franchise almost <laughs> Right, and the federal bodies were weakened, and the the nations start becoming a lot more like nations, and you're losing the centre, and you're empowering the local, basically.
0: And and people are happy with this.
1: I think it's probably a mix. We're we're into the last decade of Tito's life, so I think Tito was trying to hold it together, but also acknowledged that there was forces much bigger than he could control. Okay, so that's the scene. So let's talk light, specifically industrial development in the seventies. So when do you think, if I say think of communist design, what leaps to mind? Oh, blimey. Right. Okay. Um, I think
0: statues, I think grey featureless buildings, you know, utilitarian cars and furniture and like just boring and kind of dull.
1: That's kind of what I get as well. So that's that's where I started. And then uh, it turns out that things in Yugoslavia were rather different. Uh, so we're going to start with a company called Meblo. Hmm. Uh, and they were created in 1947 by the state, uh, yep. and it's a furniture company. So there's a lot of furniture companies in Yugoslavia, mm-hmm. in part because, what have they got a lot of? Furniture. Wood. Oh, yeah. In fact, the furniture industry becomes really big in Slovenia, and at one point, 10% of Slovenian workers worked in the furniture industry. That many people?
0: 10%, yeah. All so, making furniture? All, all
1: beavering away at uh, benches. <laughs> <laughs> So Meblo start out; they, they develop into making mattresses and sofas. And in 1963, this is indicated, indicative of their sort of openness to Western ways. They invite Norwegian experts to come and update the company. The factory develops r- rapidly. Um, in 1970, they present a range of furniture and cabinets at the Belgrade Furniture Fair. Oh, cool! Right, and this is called the E program. It's designed by Lurka Finskar, mm-hmm. and basically, it's modular-ish furniture that you can adjust and align to your own desires. Uh, In 1971, this designer writes in Industrial Design, which I think is a magazine, lifestyle is changing. People are looking for a more informal, easier and freer way of life. People would not want to be burdened with many static possessions that are only used one way. On the contrary, they want to change their environment. Well, that's like an obvious thing to us here in 2022.
0: But at that time, it really was before that, you had the furniture that was handed down to you or was handmade and, and bought for you. You had your bookcase and your table and your
1: chair, and that was about it. Well, it's more radical than that, of course, because there was also the provi- the state would provide. So the prov- the state didn't ask you what you fancied. Oh, the I state see. provided the chair for the people the chair. and the table People's for the chair. people. Yeah. So this notion of people wanting different things and actually being driven by what people want rather than what the state decided they needed is all part of this movement away from classic state-controlled, centralised communism. That's really cool. I guess this is the time as well where materials start to shift and change as well, right? So this is the 70s, and as you say, material science is developing, and the 70s we associate with plastics, right? We've got these new materials that are becoming feasible now where they weren't before. On light specifically, this company that was previously making furniture in the 70s, they teamed up with Harvey Guzzini. Harvey Gazzini. Harvey Gazzini. Who's that? Who's that? Harvey Gazzini is not a a person, actually. Common error, apparently. Is it a giant rabbit? It is almost, yes. It's an Italian lighting manufacturer. Right. It was founded by the Gazzini brothers. So, Gazzini's are people, but there were six of them. Right. Uh, And they named it Harvey after the James Stewart film with the big 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 rabbit. rabbit. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So, what Gazzini do is they design plexiglass acrylic lights. There's these kind of orangey, mushroomy, blobby shapes. Okay. in super 70s colors and shapes and styles I'm, i can picture them in my mind <laughs> i think you can what I you're can. thinking yeah that is what they look like <laughs> yeah I okay. you. and they they actually designed 33 different types of lamps for the meblo company meblo meblo exactly something like that and you can still buy them actually if you've got a few hundred quid to spare on a light fitting
0: no way so you can
1: actually still get these meblo Gazzini designed like an ebay lights. or something yeah Oh, that's fantastic. They're not making them. You can just buy them secondhand. Yeah, I don't think they, they make them. I couldn't really find out what happened to the Meblo company and whether it's still there, exists Meblo. in, some, f- <laughs> in yeah. some form. But, uh, yeah, that's that's lighting in... What company? <laughs> it, it was Meblo. Meblo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. This was before the days of audio logos. Yeah. <laughs> There was a slight drawback to having a beautiful light fitting, which was in the 70s in Slovenia. They did have a little bit of a problem with blackouts. <laughs> oh. So Gregor remembers that there would be an announcement beforehand that there was going to be a blackout at certain times of the day. So from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock, there will be no electricity. And then everyone would gather their batteries and their candles and their flashlights, I guess, and just wait for all the electricity to go off and then deal yeah. with it.
0: That's kind of common though, isn't it? Like we had that here
1: in the UK. We did. I mean, I, I am of the era that knows that you keep candles under the sink uh right. in the event of a power cut. Yeah. I'm not sure if you're quite old enough for that but Yeah, uh, just
0: about I remember I remember some some power cuts back in the day. Uh, more recently though, I know that Los Angeles has been having
1: lots of planned brownouts, power cuts. brownouts, brownouts, yeah. that's it yeah so yeah you could not uh i don't think we can judge the slovenians for their problems with electricity back in the day but actually i didn't have to take gregor's word for it i found uh or he found it specifically a 1973 report which said a few days ago radio announcers recited that unpleasant refrain several times a day some consumers will be left without electricity Mm. but you know life goes on and there is more to industrial design than just lights and the meblo company (laughs) And we can look at another company now. This is a company called Iskra. Yeah, I don't have one for that. Iskra translates as spark. Does that help? Uh, no. No, okay. Um, <laughs> but it's light-related. It very much is so, yes. Uh, and there's more to come, though, because it was in, founded in 1946 as a state-owned radio workshop. They soon start making cinema projectors. Oh, cool. Actually, it becomes uh, sort of loads more companies get attached to it and it becomes bigger and bigger and it becomes this really quite huge company that's almost a group of companies, really, rather than just one company.
0: So Slovenia making their own
1: movies? They do, yes. There are a number of Slovenian films which we could have been talking about today. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about one of them a little bit later, but uh, I didn't focus on film, which was one of my light-based options. But what is interesting about Iskra is they, in 1962, found the first department for industrial design in Yugoslavia. So this is a real statement to say design is going to be really integral to what Iskra does. And in 1963, their own articles of association say all the products with the Iskra trademark are designed in a modern way in the homemade Iskra style. So their brand is going to be design-led and it's going to be very much front and centre of their operation. I love this. This
0: is great. This is what will attract new consumers, people that are interested in your design, that
1: makes you stand out. Exactly. They wanted to be competitive and, and not just competitive with the state giving them all the work they need, but with Western companies. So they have a designer called Davorin Savnik, who is... In the 60s up to early 70s was a key member of the design team and this injection of design into the heart of the Iskra company was very successful. It was said at one time every Yugoslavian home would have at least one Iskra product in it somewhere.
0: Wow that's really mainstream then. So
1: in 1971 there was an exhibition featuring Iskra in Stuttgart in their design centre. So this exhibition more than 25,000 people went to it and the curator of the exhibition called Stein Bernick said Iskra's actions have more than once been described as pioneering and avant-garde. The exceptional efforts Iskra and the company's designers invest in industrial design have secured it an exceptional place even today. But the interesting part of that for me was that avant-garde is almost the opposite of what you would think of when you think, what was communist design like? It was absolutely not avant-garde. It was, no, not at all. Uh, Dislike the abstract. and Utilitarian. And, yes, and yeah. These yeah. guys are, are doing it. They're competing with the West. They're using design to do it. And this includes a very specific 1973 product, the Iskra Minirama. The Minirama? Minirama. This is a little portable TV, which you could watch all your favourite shows on. It mm. comes in a bunch of colours. Um, all of the colours I would describe are using the word seven. Uh, Okay, (laughs) let (laughs) me... So, Iskra is making loads of products, super successful, and they grow into the largest Yugoslavian company for trickle goods but one of the other things they start to do the beginning of the end is the scene here which is that they start producing products under license to other companies so they take western companies designs and they make them and sell them Yeah, it's a good model it's a good model but it basically over time the amount of stuff they designed and build for iskra declined as the the amount they so they're making made for more money companies. making stuff for other people so they don't bother with their design yeah and so they lose their Their design identity, really. And in 1982, they dissolved their industrial design department. But this is, again, a Yugoslavian story of individuality, uh, uniqueness, design, openness to the West. All the things you don't expect when you think of a central planned economy in a communist state.
0: Not at all. I
1: need more wine. Okay, I shall get you more wine.
0: You know, when I was at, at university, I, uh, I didn't have a lot of money, Pete, and I was struggling to pay my electricity bills. So, you know, there were many nights where uh, we didn't have the lights on. Those were some really dark times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the wine. Oh, my good Lord. Okay, so you've got your Rama TV. Yeah. Turn it on. What are you yep. going to see? A little
0: light entertainment. I was going to say Star Wars, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Slovenians are not Ewoks, Ryan. <laughs> some light entertainment okay that's good light uh we're going to discover some some of what was going on in slovenian culture we'll start with this one 1975 the placeron award do you remember the poet was called placeron his name was given to the highest most prestigious award for artistic achievement in slovenia And in 1975, this was given to an old clown. That's definitely light and same, isn't it? That is as light as it gets, really. Yeah. This is a chap called Frani Milchinski, also known as Jezek, right? Which means hedgehog. No way. Yeah, I guess he was a spiky character. <laughs> yeah, get to the point. <laughs> so, hey! <laughs> so he was born in 1914 in Ljubljana. He starts off life as, he starts out as a performer right from the get-go. He's on the radio and he's touring and doing comedy, I guess. Then World War II happens, and during World War II, he was interned in the Gonars Concentration Camp. This is an Italian concentration camp which was holding ethnic Slovene. That's not a great thing. No, it's not a great thing. There was some, some quite nasty things went down in uh, World War II in the region, the border region between, Slovenia and Italy and the Italians did not cover themselves in glory uh, and the Slovenes had their moments as well so nevertheless our chap Jezek comes out of the concentration camp and he still wants to entertain people and make people laugh which is remarkable yeah well yeah given given that so he he wrote radio plays puppet shows he wrote for both adults and children Uh, in 1951 he wrote and appeared in a movie called Kekech which is kind of a children's adventure movie. It's described as one of the greatest films in Slovenian and Yugoslavian cinema history. (laughs) Wow, okay. Yeah, it won in the 13th Venice International Film Festival in uh, 1952. It won a Golden Lion for Best Film in the Youth category. Wow, okay, cool. Yeah, I watched it. I did not enjoy it. Oh no. <laughs> it was uh, it kind of gave me reminiscences of Heidi. It's in that sort of mountain okay. outdoor. It's from 1951. Product of so its time. Very much a product of its time. And in Slovenian. And in Slovenian, we didn't help. I didn't un- and it wasn't subtitled, so I had to <laughs> basically guess what was going on. <laughs> and is he a clown in it? He appears in it, but he's an incidental character, so but he wrote it as well, so
0: Okay. What kind of clown was he? Was he
1: like, you know, like the typical clown? So he's described often as a satirist, which is quite interesting because obviously you don't expect a huge amount of satire in a communist country either. Right. Um, But I was talking to Gregor about this and, like, how does a clown or a satirist poke fun at the establishment and how did he get away with it in particular? And uh, Gregor was saying, on the one hand, this guy was so popular, he was really beloved. And so there really wasn't anything in it for Tito or the government to crush him because it probably would have backfired on them quite badly it seems that tito's view was kind of a better out than in kind of thing and trying to squash these things isn't going to work i think i think was what where he came from on this but in the case of jezek himself it was pretty mild stuff okay so he he wasn't wasn't sitting there going these guys are terrible and tito is a particularly a bad bad maniac actually gregor shared with me some cartoons and comics of the period and what seemed to be the theme was you could make fun of the system in a reasonably abstract way. So you could say management are annoying, but you couldn't say John is a bad manager. Oh, so that way, if you
0: are the management, you can say, well, they don't mean us, they mean the other management. That seems to be it. So there's there's
1: sort of subtle and light criticism of various things in the abstract. That seems to be how they've got away with Clever. it. Clever. But he didn't have the big red nose or anything. No, he didn't do that. He, his face is, I mean, if you saw a picture of him, you would think, there's a clown. He has just this <laughs> really clown-like face already. <laughs> really? okay. Nature bestowed upon him, the face of a clown, oh, really. Fantastic. A really expressive, one of those faces that just seems capable of moulding into any shape, almost. Yeah. So in 1975, he gets the award, and it's for his lifetime of achievement. But his best days are behind him. Is it's not... It's not his heyday, really. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what was actually going on in the sort of day-to-day culture of Slovenia. But first, let's have a little listen to what Jezek sounds like. <laughs> ¶¶¶¶ Very good. I enjoyed that. Ah, good. Excellent. But there's probably more interesting things to go on if you want to get the pulse of Slovenia in the 70s. So at the moment we will start looking at the mainstream uh, and then we'll see how some of the more individual things that were going on differ. So this is from the Slovenian Song Festival, which is the sort of Eurovision of Slovenia, I guess. And this is 1976
0: winner. This is Ditka Haber. <laughs>
1: So that's your sort of mainstream, that's the music mum and dad are listening to, right? But underneath, as I say, we've got in Yugoslavia, fragmentation, individuality emerging. uh, And hip young things aren't going to be listening to that. They're going to listen to Radio Student. Obviously, they're listening to Radio Student. (laughs) Uh, Established in 1969 by the Student Organisation of the University of Ljubljana. Okay, or you might be listening to the Moped Show. This is uh, <laughs> a, a satirical, humorous radio show uh, started in 1978 on Radio Ljubljana. Okay, created by a humorist named Toff 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 Tone Fonetsi was his name. Okay, and that was a Moped Show was a favourite of Gregor's. So this is one of his memories. Wonderful. Uh, probably bigger in the 80s, but you're looking at the tail end of the 70s was when it started, 78. Or they might have been listening to this. Flipping Ewoks.
0: Ewoks, Slovenians are not Ewoks, Ryan. This is what they were listening to. This is not what
1: they were listening to, Ryan. Slovenians are not Ewoks. It's catchy. (laughs) Sounds like having a good old time. Cease and desist. Okay. This is a band that was starting out just one year. Bear in mind, this is one year after Ditka was winning her contest in 1976. Okay. Put your mind into the glamorous music venue of Mosty High School. This translates as Ljubljana is sick. What, like? Not cool. In a cool way, no, oh. in a unwell way. It was the 70s. Sick, uh, very modern.
0: Yeah, probably. Nowadays, the they'd be saying Ljubljana
1: is based. Probably, Wouldn't whatever they, that might Pete? mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, this was a band called Pancrati. The Bastards, it uh, translates as. Really? The yeah. Bastards? So they build themselves as the first punk band behind the Iron Curtain. And they've got a pretty good case for that, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. They released their first album in 1980, Dold Catched, which is translates as Boredom. So they were just starting out it's at the so end of the 70s. <laughs> yeah. One of the politicians, Flandse Poppet, said, punks spit on the achievements of socialism. Yeah, I mean, that's literally that's, their thing. It was very much their thing, wasn't it? I can't imagine they were there going, yeah, yeah, sounds about that's, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, else, what did you think they were doing? Are so, they still going? Can I go see the bastards now? So they're not. They split up. Uh, that was their last album. Um, so it's not like
0: Rolling Stones. They're
1: not still no, out there. They're not there. still out there trying to, trying to make things happen. But they did have a reunion uh, gig at the same time as a, the Sex Pistols had a reunion gig in, I can't remember the year, but I think it was in the 2000s um, or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. But no, they are not currently going. I think the lead singer is still with a band, but not these guys, I'm afraid. So these guys were the first punk band, but punk became a thing in a little bit in uh, Slovenia, in Yugoslavia, when apparently one of the Ljubljana's main squares became known as Johnny Rotten Square. <laughs> right okay uh, and it spread out and then in 1980 there was a, a big rock festival the Novi rock festival which was supported by radio student radio student radio <laughs> student so that's punk um there's lots of individualism happening there are more things and i want to introduce you my friend to a bit of avant-garde balkan prog folk Oh, well, you don't need to. I know this stuff intimately. <laughs> oh, well, you're familiar with Begnigrad then? Obviously. Uh, yeah, well, this apparently was a real um, uh, influential band in world music. Yeah. It's, I think this is the acceptable face of the accordion. I think I would describe the it. Acceptable as. face. The acceptable face. So, uh, a guy called Bratko Bibich uh, was a Ljubljana native right and in the 70s this was a huge group apparently of avant-garde accordionists and band members it's not thing isn't it the accordion
0: it's a bit like the musical instrument version of patting your head and rubbing your stomach
1: yes there is an awful lot going on in accordion and i i always when i see people playing it, i'm always like how how do, how you, do even you do that, do that? that's great <laughs> right yeah everything you press else the keys like you've got a, at buttons and there's all sorts going on it's
0: buttons keys and the weird squeezy uh, squeezy thing <laughs> <laughs>
1: but you think you're thinking of accordion right now and I want you to hold that thought and I want the audience to hold that thought okay now I want you to play this and rediscover the accordion as if you'd never heard it before all right let's all hold hands it's his Christmas hit (laughs) (laughs) This is amazing, I love this. I love this, like you love the Jezek. Yeah, I love the Jezek. This is giving me a headache. This, I, I couldn't stop listening to this, I just kept playing it over and over. Mm.
0: The good news, everyone, is that there is 36 minutes of this. <laughs> I'm not even joking. 36 <laughs> <the> minutes <laughs> and 34 seconds.
1: All I can say, Ryan, is you either get avant garde Balkan prog folk or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just more of a bastard. Maybe, maybe. Certainly you I've are... been called that in my time. Hey. So that's it. That's the sounds. Um, and I think what I've been trying to do through this episode is identify ways in which we see what's happening in Yugoslavia as a whole happening in these specific environments in music or in, in industry. We're seeing the development of variety, the establishment of individualism, fragmentation, and the dying days of conformity and centralization. And they're the dying days of Yugoslavia itself. So as the 70s fade out, Tito himself also fades out. He steps into the light, as it were. in 1980. As we've discussed, change occurs throughout the 1980s, which were the final years of the final decade of Yugoslavia as a country. And then that takes us just to the early 90s, where it's the end of Yugoslavia as a country. And in 1991, it's the turn of the newly independent Slovenia to step forward into the lights of the world stage. <laughs> Wrapped it up
0: with light there. It you up. See that? yeah. You, you see threw that? it in right at the very end. I loved that. That was really good, Pete. What a, what a wonderful journey through a very abstract side of Slovenia that we would
1: never normally have known right. about. Who would have who would have been talking about industrial design in Slovenia other than us? To the
0: sounds of a crazed madman on an accordion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, once again, I do have to thank Gregor, who was responsible for so much of that content. Yeah. You need to start up
0: a sister podcast called Slovenian History Happened everywhere. You and Grigor. (laughs) We could do it. I I tell you what, Pete, it is weird because I mean, I really enjoyed this episode, but it did remind me that I went to a Chinese restaurant last night. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) (laughs) What? Nothing. Carry on. I went to, it just reminded me. Did it? Yeah. (laughs) I imagine there's a story behind that. (laughs) There is. So I went to a Chinese restaurant last night (laughs) and it was really bright in there. And so I called the waiter over. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I asked if he could dim some. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. You know what time it is. Oh, listen to that sound. Silky smooth. My lord, it's 2022. Is treating the Dursalater well. Right, we are going to uh, Dursalate now. So, Peter, do you want to press the button? I do. Okay, so, your country is... Chile, Chile, Ooh. oh no, okay, I'm not good with that. Chile, I think it's
1: Chile, isn't it? Chile? Well, I'll find out next week, I guess I? so <laughs> uh, your time period, sir, is yeah the information age, what does that mean? that means nineteen forty five to now. there's That's, gonna be loads of information yeah, on a that a lot of potential there now everything hangs on this being <sighs> a good, good good subject. your topic is this is the one where I get most nervous, I uh, understandably, yeah, the topic, sir, is
0: yeah. Zoology. Zoology. Okay, what is that? Animals and stuff? Yeah, in the information age. So animals at computers. Well, there we go. I am going to be looking at zoology in Chile during the information age of 1945 to present. That's exciting. I'm actually looking forward to that one. I think that's going to be quite good.
1: I'm, I'm keen. Let's see how it goes. All right. All right. <laughs>
0: Okay. So we've gone from cakes to wine to accordions and cave bear legs. We've covered it all. Pete, thank you very much. And thank you listeners for listening. Um, if you'd like to get in touch about any of the things that Pete has talked about or Gregor has told him to talk about, uh, (laughs) you you can get in touch just to say hello. Um, and you can do that through our website at Hhepodcast.com or, you know, just by email at uh, Pete and Ryan at HHEpodcast.com.
1: We'd love to hear from you. And you never know, you might end up featured on a future show like this week's star listener, Betty. Betty tells us she enjoys the show and we very much appreciate her support. Thanks, Betty. hope you're listening. She's a secret listener. Yes, not a secret anymore. (laughs) Everyone knows we let the cat out of the bag.
0: Yep, there you go. So look, one way to definitely feature on a future episode is to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Your recommendation really goes a long way to bringing the show to new listeners and we would really appreciate that. So thank you.
1: Meanwhile, if you're on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, or Twitter. You can find us at HHE Podcast. If you subscribe to those, you'll get a little ping every time we post a one-minute animated HHE bite well worth 60 seconds of your life. They are fun. And we are going to be back again soon with The Verdict. But until then,
0: a huge Slovenian thank you to Peter. And Gregor. And Gregor. (laughs) Thank you, Ryan. No worries. And that is it. I guess all that's
1: left to say is You've been listening to... Happen everywhere. Hey Pete. Hey Ryan. Who's your friend? Oh this this is the exchange student who's been staying with me. Oh what the Slovenian? Yeah yeah, that's right. This is this is Nubnub. Oh hey Nubnub. yep. Well, you're you're a jittery little thing, aren't you? Nub-yub. Actually, you're just in time because some of his mates are coming over and you can meet them too. Ah, speaking of, I'll I'll go get the door. So uh
0: N- nub number. Am I am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. Oh oh uh, yeah yeah sure that's a good idea yeah put some music on.
1: Here you go, Ryan. Meet the gang. Oh wow, there's loads of them. Yeah, that's right. Look, okay, so this is Wicket, uh, Logway Paploo in the corner, Chief Chirper, Richie, watch Richie Warwick, watch out for that one. Uh, Melanie, Chupa trip Oh, just just uh, meet them as the evening go Right, uh, well, hey everyone. You know what, Ryan, actually, they also bought us some of that bled cake you said you liked. So, uh, fancy a slice? Uh, How am I going to eat it? Oh, just use the fork, Ryan. Use the fork. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Nub, 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 nub noises. (laughs)